Thank you, choir. Um, Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. Hebrews 4, we're gonna, we've preached quite a few in a row in Isaiah, and this morning we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 4. So while you're turning there, I'll give you something to think about. What do you call a man who's lying on your front doorstep? Matt. You can use that one. 14 to 16. While you're turning, I'll give you another one. What do you call a man that has not a body nor a nose? Nobody knows. Okay, Hebrews 4, 14, 16. Here we go. It's supposed to be casual Sunday, right? <laughs> Calls for jokes like that. Um, Hebrews is, I, I absolutely love Hebrews. And it's, it's all about the supremacy of Jesus over all things. That, that's the book. So he's supreme over what we see is over angels, over Moses. Here he's superior to Aaron and the priesthood and the office of the high priest. I'm going to read you Hebrews 2.17. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest. Now, he unpacks that statement starting in four where we are today, and tells us about how Jesus is the merciful high priest. And what that really means is he sympathizes with you in your weaknesses. He's not like the high priest in the temple who very much did not sympathize with the people. He's completely different in how he approaches the priesthood. So let's read Hebrews 4 starting at verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Please, please pray with me just once more. Oh God, knowing what you think of us changes everything and how we approach you. Father, I, I thank you that I'm not a priest, nor is there a priest in this church, Lord, that's dealing with people's sins, that's offering sacrifices. There's no hidden place now. All those things were pictures and shadows of what Jesus Christ, the true priest, would do for man. And we praise you, God, and we want to know that. We want to meditate on that so that we want to worship you, and we enjoy you, and we trust you more in our salvation. God, bless the preaching of your word today. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Several years ago, I got a phone call from a lady, and I was in a different town, and she said that 
she just moved to our city and would like, she was Presbyterian, and she'd like to start visiting our church. And I said, wonderful, I'll, I'll look forward to it. But for some weeks, she didn't show up. And so one day I went and I knocked on her door, and I noticed in her house that all the windows were not just closed, and the blinds weren't just closed, but literally there was some type of dark cloth so that no light came into her house. She came to the door, and we began to talk, and she said she had a rare disease, and I'm not a physician, I can't remember the name of it, but essentially light made her sick. It killed her. And she told me about one year that she had, she said she ebbed and flowed, and she said there was one year that was particularly bad, and I lived in a dark room in my house with no windows for the whole year. I never came out. I said, man, that must have been awful. She said, she's a believer. She said, no, it was the best year of my life. I said, well, how is that? Every day I could do nothing in my trouble but come to the throne of grace in prayer and spend time with Jesus. It was the most amazing year of my life because all I did was worship. Now, that was a real challenge for me as I began to think, in my troubles, when I'm struggling physically or with sin in my heart or sickness, am I going to the throne of grace? Do I see his throne as one of grace? Is that, is, are those the words that I see written on the throne for me to approach? So I want to ask you, my friends, where do you go for your comfort? When you're like this lady, you're struggling, maybe physically, emotionally, maybe your depression, you're in a bad season, or you're in addiction and you're in a bad season, or maybe you just have a fight with your spouse. Where do you go for comfort? Most of us, we turn to something that makes us feel better, take our minds off the problem, like TV, Internet, some activity, something to make us feel good about us. And what often happens, those are not bad things, but what often happens is something else slowly, someone else slowly becomes our functional high priest that we go to. Something else begins to comfort us about our troubles and about our sins rather than Jesus. And you say, okay, well, why don't I run to Jesus? Well, usually I don't have the faith that he can really help me or feel like he really is that concerned. Hebrews 4 is a great invitation to the believer. In times of troubles, come to the throne of grace where Jesus, your high priest, dwells and is always ready to show compassion and mercy to his people in whatever need or situation you find yourself in. So here's our main idea today. Please, if you're taking notes, write this down. With the holy boldness, we must come to the throne of grace in our times of need. With the holy boldness. Now, this text gives us several reasons. Okay, Rusty, why do I come to that throne in my times of need? Here's the first thing. You need to go to the throne of God because you have a great high priest there. 
verse 14, if you'll look at me with me one more time in the scripture, verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Stop there. So what is a high priest? What does that mean to you? Well, because we are sinful, we can only approach God on His terms. God, in the Old Testament, gave them priests to work with their sin. That was their job. The priests then came from one tribe, the Levites, and the priests intervened between a holy God and a sinful people. They were responsible through sacrifice for reconciliation and mediation to make peace between the king and his people that he had bound in covenant with him. But the problem was their sin in that covenant. And therefore, the priest stepped in. Now, of all the priests, there was one special priest called the high priest. He was from the family of Aaron, who was Moses' brother. He wore a special dress or outfit that designed or showed that he was holy. On his forehead, he wore a gold plaque that said, Holiness from Jehovah. And once a year, he went into the Holy of Holies, which is in the tabernacle, that very back section where the ark was kept. And he took blood from a perfectly clean lamb, and he sprinkled it there. If you think about the ark on top of it, You have the law underneath, and on top is the mercy seat where the presence of God dwelt with his people. He took the blood of the lamb, and he put it there between the presence of God and the law. Meaning, between the presence of God and the law that we break was sacrifice, was forgiveness. And he did that once a year for his people. Now, my friends, all of this was a shadow of what was coming is the shadow of a great priest who would offer himself as the Lamb of God by entering not a tent made with hands, but the real throne room that the tent was just a picture of, and that is heaven. And he would enter it because he's God with a far greater sacrifice than just a lamb. Of course, it was himself, wasn't it? Now notice those words there. His greatness, it says who has passed through the heavens. Do you see that there in your Bibles? Notice, what is it that makes Jesus such a great high priest, different than all these others? Well, one of the things is it says he passed through the heavens. And now rest, okay, what in the world does that mean? Let me read you Hebrews 9, verse 6 and 9, and we'll connect a few dots. This is what Hebrews 9, 6 says. The priests go regularly into the first section, right, of the tabernacle, performing their ritual duties. But into the second, meaning it's the Holy of Holies, only the high priest goes, and he but once a year, and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and the unintentional sins of the people. By this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy place is not yet opened, as long as the first section is still standing. So he's saying, if you've got a tent on earth where you're making sacrifices, it means that the way to God is not open yet fully. Saying Jesus 
is not just a high priest that offers yearly sacrifices in a tent and in so doing showing that the way to God really is closed in many ways. But Jesus died. He passed through not the temple, but the curtains into heaven is what's implied there to the throne room of God. And what did he do then? Well, just what all the priests do when they come into the holiest of holy. He presents a sacrifice to mediate for us. Hebrews 10, 12. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sin, he sat down at the right hand of God. For by a single offering, he is perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. He presented his sacrifice himself. He opened the way for sinful people to be reconciled and fearlessly know God. And then he sat down at the right hand, which is the hand of acceptance, to show that God had accepted his sacrifice, that it was finished. Thomas Lenacre, the physician of Henry VIII, late in his life he took Catholic orders and was given a copy of the Gospels. He wasn't a priest, and back then only the priests read the Gospels. And so he was given a copy. And for the first time, he read them. And this is what he said. Either these are not the Gospels, or we are not Christians. Either these are not the Gospels, or we are not Christians, he said. And what he meant was the message that he read in the Bible was radically different than the message and experiences that he had been having then in the Catholic Church. Sometimes we don't have an accurate view of exactly how Christ saved us. My friends, Christ the high priest mediates for his people according to both his natures. His human nature did the suffering, the sweating, the bleeding, and the dying. His divine nature stamping all that work with infinite value because he's God. Therefore, 1 Timothy 2.5 says, and one mediator between God and man, we have the man Jesus Christ. And his mediator, the one mediator who puts his hand on God and takes the wrath of God, puts his hand on man and takes the sin of man and mediates and makes peace. And his mediator, he comes between two persons that are against each other. And he arbitrates. To give God justice without the absolute ruining of man. This is the work of the high priest of reconciling us. So he's seated at the right hand of God as your high priest. To the Father he says, you may admit them into your presence because I have taken their sin and absolved it. And to the believer, he says, be not discouraged. I have opened a way to be justified and saved fully through me. Jesus loved us so much that he put himself under your obligation to satisfy your debts of sin to God. 
so that you might boldly come to the throne of grace. So, we must come to the throne of grace in times of need with holy boldness. Why? First, you have a great high priest who dwells there. Second is this, because this high priest, he sympathizes with your weaknesses. Sympathizes with your weaknesses. In Jesus' day, if a leper or a sick person would dare venture into the sanctuary, you, you picture it. They're thirsty. They want prayer. They're hurting. They're isolated. They were dragged out and they were stoned. And when people thought of priests, compassion was not the first attribute that came to mind. Verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Notice those words, sympathize. It means touched with the feelings for another. To show compassion for what? Your weaknesses. Your lack of strength. Your moral weaknesses when you struggle with sin. Your physical weaknesses when you get sick. Jesus' response to all your weaknesses is compassion. Why? Well, he tells us. But one who in every respect has been tempted as we are. Okay, let's stop. What does it mean in every respect, tempted? Well, he didn't have a sinful nature, right? So how does he know what it's like to wrestle with the desires that I wrestle with and hate? Well, it's saying he has faced temptation to steal when he was hungry. He faced every kind of temptation to lie when he was ashamed, fearful in the face of danger, angry towards others, yet he was sinless, without sin. Now listen, it doesn't mean he resisted temptation and therefore he did not sin. It means there was no sin in him to be stirred by temptation. Right? Temptation had nothing to grab a hold of in his life because he was sinless. Now, my friends, have you ever had someone know your situation and they want to give you advice, but they really should not? <laughs> and that's the last thing that you really want to hear from them because they've never experienced what you're going through? I had a good friend and... He's in Vermont, and he's a pastor there. And they're struggling for families and young families. And he said one day several young families came into his church, and they said, we are very eager to work with the children here. And he's, they said, we feel like we have a lot to teach these parents. And so the kids came in the classroom, and they demanded that the children sit still the entire time and not move. No bathroom breaks. They demanded that they do lots of homework and bring it back every week perfectly completed. And then they began to give out books on parenting to all the parents who were, quote-unquote, failing. Harshly giving them advice 
about how they should be raising their children. The children must sit still and on and on. It was a total disaster. They had no compassion for the parents because they had never experienced the trials of parenting. And the truth was, people listened and they heeded very little because of these people's experiences or lack of experiences. My friends, with Jesus, not only did he become man, he was tempted. You got to hear that. He was tempted. And he overcame all his temptations. He was victorious and never fell into the snare of it. Therefore, not only does he have compassion on you and your situation, he can speak and minister to you in your challenges. Because he's experienced it. And he's overcome. It doesn't mean compassion is approval for our wrongdoing doesn't mean that he doesn't discipline or correct us, but it means he knows your battle. And he corrects and he guides you with gentleness and compassion. So you have to come to the throne of grace with holy boldness. Why? First, you have a great high priest. And second, because he really sympathizes with your weakness. And third, and we'll finish here, verse 16, he gives mercy and grace. Look at verse 16 with me there in your Bibles. Let us then come with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. I love the, notice, you see those words? Not throne of judgment. Not throne of condemnation for the believer. Throne of grace. When tempted, where do we come? Throne of grace. Jesus' throne is marked for the believer. It has a name for you. In the same way Clay said we named the school Providence for a reason, he names his throne the throne of grace for a reason. Why grace? Because that is what you receive from him as a believer, from the throne. The king looks at the offering of the great high priest himself, the perfect lamb, and through our faith treats us not as we deserve, but in a position of unmerited favor and unmerited acceptance. Everything his children receive from his throne is undeserved goodness, even in discipline, conviction, and correction. Okay, Rusty, but when I struggle... I fall into things again and again and again. Then, how should I come to the throne? Come boldly. (laughs) You see those words? Come boldly. It means confidently and access. They go together. We have full access to the throne of grace through Jesus only. Therefore, come boldly. It means don't come in to seek to hide your own sins. Don't come to pretend that everything's okay. Don't come hiding your weakness. He sees all that. Verse 13, all creatures are exposed to his eyes. Our boldness is not in ourselves, but it's in Christ. But because our high priest has opened the door, our sacrifice for our sin is there. Our forgiveness is accomplished. Come boldly. Whatever situation that you're in, 
And what will you find at this throne? Mercy and grace. This is the invitation to believers. Only the sinful need mercy. Only the weak need grace. And this throne only gives mercy and grace to those who come in the name of Jesus, bearing their sin and weakness. There we find mercy. Mercy for past failures and grace for present and future work. And notice these last words we'll finish with. We find it. That's important. We don't earn it. You find it. There you find grace. You find strength. You find help. You find rest at the throne of grace through our loving high priest. And so, my friends, the invitation is for all believers, come to the throne through prayer and his word. Find Christ. And we must remember it is a throne of grace, but it is still a throne. (laughs) that we come before accepted only through Jesus, outside of him, it is a throne of justice and judgment. How do we think and live this? Well, I want to give one result for Christians who doesn't boldly and often come to the throne of grace. When you don't come, when you don't come and find, you don't have a heart of mercy and grace towards others. You won't. You just won't. How do you treat the weak? That's my question to me and to you. Where you see weakness in your children, when they don't perform on the soccer pitch, How do you treat that weakness? And your wife, when she struggles with physical weakness or emotional struggles, with your pastor who bumbles and mumbles his way through a message and forgets to call you back or doesn't text you or just gives you a thumb up. For many, weakness is only an opportunity for correction, for criticism, and harshness. I had a lady friend of ours, and she was raised in a rough home, and she became a Christian. In her, her church, she was constantly correcting the other ladies how they dress, their children's behavior, missing Bible studies. And some of her exhorting was right on, but it was never received. You know why? It's not what she said, it's how she said it. She exhorted with no sympathy for their weakness. She was harsh and cold. Listen, truth is, by ourselves. This is often how we deal with weakness. Like the Egyptians, we tell hurting people, go make bricks, but we don't turn them towards the hay, the grace. Our dealings with the spiritual weakness of others is to be in the likeness of Jesus with compassion and sympathy, pointing them towards. And last thing I want to say is you can't do that on your own. I can't. My heart is hard towards my children, towards my wife, unless I come to the throne of grace and find every day. And I only do that because I know I've got a merciful, gracious high priest who's made a once-for-all sacrifice, and the way on my best day and my worst day is open to me.
And my friends, that's where grace comes from. It is a throne of grace. And the only way your heart is going to gain the ability to show grace and compassion is by coming there often and worship. And as you come, you will find. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, God. Thank you so much. We don't have an earthly high priest that rides around on a helicopter or a plane, goes around sprinkling water on people and doing a bunch of silliness. Thank you, God, that we have a high priest in heaven, Jesus, your own son, Lord, and therefore his sacrifice is full and complete. There's nothing that I give except my own sin, and yet the way is open now. The high priest is there. The throne says, throne of grace. Help us to believe those gospel truths, to take hold of it, and to come and find so that we might show great compassion, mercy towards those who struggle with weakness around us. In Jesus' name, amen.